Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon and I'm here with Lou Blasey. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Lou. It's as far as you're going to go. That's all I'm going to say today because mm. I was focused on my tasks. But I sent them to you at 6.30 this morning. I know, but I wasn't here at 6.30 in the morning. I have to have them here in usable form. You're fresh today. No, I'm just, fresh. Try just trying to foster a situation of understanding. Okay. First of all, I'm going to need to shut my door because the people next door are swearing. And that's all <laughs> I can hear. Sorry. And I missed what you just said. Hold on one second. You know, I swear. Okay. That's not going to help you hear me. But... Well, it's going to stop them from swearing in my ear. Okay. Okay. Sorry for everybody. I'm situating because I've got stuff going on that's really loud. He's never loud. He's now loud over here. Now I got it on both sides. He's going to record a promo for uh, Valley 98.9. The morning well, show. He's really loud. <laughs> anyway, so um, good morning. That's all I had to say. I gave Lou a task this morning and he hadn't done it when I got here. And so that's why we're running late this morning. So I'm just giving him a hard time because he was giving me a hard time. A, I wasn't giving you a hard time. We love each other. You are so quiet this morning. I'm never going to be able to hear you over them. I'm and quiet. I know I should have my headphones on. And you know yeah. how I'm vanity. <laughs> right? Yeah. So how was your weekend? It was okay. Probably yeah. not as fun as yours. but. Well, so my weekend had an entertaining story. And I'm sure you'll, as well, you sort of knew it anyway, but yep. you already said, well, that's par for the course for me, but it's kind of funny. No, so. it's the first, the first part of that, the first of the multiple incidents. Oh, so this weekend I wasn't at the place we went to, wasn't even there more than three hours before we went to um, an event that was outside that we go to every year. And this is the second year in three years, three years that I have lost four credit cards on the same mountain <laughs> and there was no alcohol involved. It was me reaching into my pocket to pull out my phone to take a picture and it dropped in the snow. So I canceled the card after I locked it for a whole 24 hours and I went and checked and they hadn't found it. So I canceled it and 10 minutes later they called me, they found it. Uh -huh. And then two years prior, I lost it? in the same spot going down a slide mm -hmm. in the snow, but never recovered it. And then a year before that, I lost a credit card, two credit cards on the same mountain at the same time. And in the year in between, I found one of them in the summer going back up the mountain <laughs> in between. So I've lost four credit cards in the same spot. So I and people are going to say, well, how do you bring your credit card? There's reasons. And why are they not in a wallet? Well, when I'm hiking, I just stick it in my shorts because in case I get to the top and I need to buy extra water because at the top of the mountain that I go to has a little store. And and then where I was going this weekend, I had to have it in my pocket because there were things that I could purchase. And I knew I had it in my head. I shouldn't have done it. And so if a client of yours made the same mistake four years in a row. What would you your know, advice be to them? <laughs> I've already done this in my head. I've learned my lesson. It took four times. Yeah. And it's very inconvenient. You know how inconvenient it is when you don't have your regular debit slash card. So now it's... Uh -huh. They have it's, phone wallets. So that yeah, I know, but I don't like those because the then they become bulky and gross. Yeah, true. And then they get dirty. And Anyway, nonetheless, four and you have an cards. iPhone, don't you? What? You have an iPhone, don't you? Yes. Can't they, you can pay with iPhones or 
I can, um, they can do it with Android. Well, they, now I too, did get a yeah. digital card, but it yeah. was it. Yeah, but it wasn't the same. So, and I didn't put in Apple Pay. It was whatever. It just didn't work out. <laughs> and that's what I kept saying. So the night of my birthday, I kept saying things just don't work out for me. So, but so I Friday wanted... night, I was like, I wasn't even there for three hours. And I was like, things don't work out for me. What well, things don't work out to you, for you, except, and I want to go back to this story because this is the one I said is typical you. Okay. You lost the card and then found it a year later. Yeah. A year later. On the mountain. Yeah. Where I was hiking in the exact same path. Is it a not? Is it a path people don't go on? Or. Well, I was. It's so I can say where this was because I don't really care. It was Upper <laughs> Walking Boss, and it's part of Loon Mountain, and it's the last part of the Loon Mountain race, the hardest mountain race in the country. And so the likelihood of people actually hiking up that part of the mountain at a 43 degree angle, there's not a lot of people that do that. So I just was going back through exactly how I do training for it. And there was my card. Uh -huh. So people skied over all winter. People, <laughs> a few people here and there probably meandered past it, never saw it because it was probably in the grass. And and there I was in July. And But you saw it. There it was. Yeah, well. Yep. So four gone. Two found, but didn't matter. Can you uncancel your card once you no. cancel it? No, <laughs> I, I, uh, I should have just kept it locked. That's what I, you know, I, you can I, lock it. Yeah. I locked it and then I just said, I'll oh, forget it because they hadn't found it yet. And yeah. then I was like, but I know it's there. Like I knew when I lost it, I could, I just knew. But anyway, I should have gone with my gut, but instead <laughs> I listened to John. <laughs> Oh, see, that's not fair. <laughs> he said, you should just cancel it. It's all his fault. See? You can't blame this on John. I can. Not when you've done it four years in a row. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've learned my lesson. I think it's a funny story. It is a funny story. And it's never anywhere else. It's only in this mountain. Over and over and over again. So you've never lost a credit card anywhere else. Yeah. Only in Loon. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. It, it kind of put a damper on my birthday evening because I was mad. I was so, and I have other credit cards. It's not like I didn't have access to stuff, obviously, but I was so mad because it was the fourth time. Now, what if a client let I, their birthday be ruined by? I didn't let it ruin my birthday. I was just mad. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's kind of the same I thing. I had a little Eeyore moment because it kind of, you know, I was having such a great night and then, and then. So this is what happens. And I recovered, but I was annoyed. <laughs> and by the next morning, I was fine. Because yep. I was like, oh, this happens again. Oh, there he is. What did he say? Oh, I don't know. Let me get to the comment section here. <laughs> Maybe keep track of a simple card. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Really, the coming from uh, annoyed. Yeah, coming from a person that has to make sure that his whole head's screwed on to make sure he doesn't lose it yep there he is criticizing me but he hasn't lost his head right i know really <laughs> <laughs> oh god you know well i could say things but i won't I'll be nice anyway so um last week i don't know if keeping a card in your pocket is the best idea it's it's not a good idea yeah thank you daddy <laughs> i got it he said it's game. He said it's game on now. No, it's oh, gone. Good. He says it's gone. Yeah. Oh, it's gone. Yes, it is gone. Oh, now we got leave. Oh, Bruce. <laughs> leave the card and take cash. No, take cash. Then I'll then fall on the ground cash. and someone will find my 20s. Yeah. Okay. You? Everybody with your suggestions. I just gonna leave it in the car next time. 
Luke. <laughs> Don't set me up like that. <sighs> anyway, okay. I'm having so a hard time this negotiating is about this managing. This is about managing mental energy around like what you just said is not being in a bad mood. I was in a little bit of a bad mood and John will attest to, I was a little annoyed because it was disappointing because I was just like having such a nice time, you know, and you're in the role and it's like, ah, oh, man. And then he kept, and then he was annoying me because he kept saying, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> he must've said that five times. I'm like, I'm not going to beat myself up, but I'm about to, because <laughs> you keep telling me that, you know, it's like, are you mad? Are you mad? Are you mad? Are you mad? No, but now I am. <laughs> John, I can't stop her. It's just oh my God. Um, now he's saying really again. Well, this is what we talked about last week that we get derailed on. Yes. Was mental hygiene. Right? Yes. This is a mental hygiene issue. It's a mental hygiene issue. So I was mentally unhygienic for a hot moment on Friday night because I was so upset about my card. And it wasn't about the card. It was about the fact that it was the fourth time in the same exact spot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, two times at the same spot and two times at the other spot, but they were all within a three mile radius <laughs> over a few years, yep. you know, and I have no shame or embarrassment about it. I think it's kind of funny now, but it's just like, really? Like, seriously, you seem to be processing some shame and embarrassment. I, about I processed it. through this yeah. and I was okay. It took me a little bit. We were, we were actually driving back to our condo and John's like, you really don't want to go out for a drink? And I was like, no. Wow. <laughs> and, but, he, but he convinced me. And yeah. we went and he has a pouty picture of me at first because I was like, Ugh. and then <laughs> I got over it. <laughs> See, the way to respond to that is just go to that bar right there. <laughs> I didn't want to go. No, just because oh, you're yourself. talking about. Well, so the place. Yeah. That, so the place I went was Ice Castles and it's great. And they yeah. have a new addition. They have an ice bar. Yeah. And I want to go to the ice bar, which is why I brought the credit card. Nip it in the bud. Just go right. But to I the wasn't ice willing bar. to stand in the line because yeah. the line, because the new oh, addition, yeah. the line was like a mile long, and um, it it was not worth the wait for what it was. Yeah, you didn't feel you were going to get much relief, <laughs> right? So <laughs> from that uh, yeah. bar, but yeah, so it didn't matter. But it was pretty. It was, I have a picture of it. <laughs> If you waited in line and went to that bar and spent some time, you might have they might have found it while you were there. Well, I actually well, I walked around for an hour looking for it because I knew whereabouts I lost it. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly. And I think that's exactly where they found it. So but it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's over. But it's, you know, the fact that I I, too, as a professional in the business, had a moment of. <laughs> So anyway, happens. So, yeah. And and I didn't want it to ruin my birthday, and it didn't. I know John would probably say it did, but I was I didn't want to. Do, that was well, afterwards. I didn't want to do gifts or cards. I said let's wait till the next day because I was like I don't really? want to do that. Wow. But anyway, on a great note, you know what I got? I got a beautiful cake, and I just want to say thank you to my lovely husband. He got me my favorite cake, red velvet. And mm -hmm. it had a picture of one of my favorite tigers from Big Cat Rescue. Um, and I was Jasmine on it and a beautiful photo of her. And it was all tiger. It was beautiful. One of those photo frosting things? Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, it was, a, it was made out of the, the photo had been transferred into like a piece of Grenache and put on top. Oh, nice. Really neat. Yeah. Yep. And I saved it all weekend and then got to the car and put it on top of the icy car and it fell off and broke. <laughs> I could keep going with some of the things that happened this weekend. Nope. I smacked my elbow. I hit my hand. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Um, 
yum and wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so so the adversity, what I was talking about on Friday before. Where's we, Jasmine uh, again? Is she in Florida? Where's Jasmine in Florida or in Jasmine Michigan? is in Florida. Okay. Yeah. Jasmine is at Big Cat Rescue in Tampa. Mm -hmm. um, so, and John had a beautiful picture of her on his phone and he had them make it for me on the cake. It See, was that beautiful. was nice. Huh? That was nice. Yes, it's very nice. I actually have, I will send you a copy and you can put it up for everybody. So John didn't deserve your mood. Oh, <laughs> my God. Sorry. Okay. So on Friday when I was on, it feels like I was just here. We were, I was trying to talk about how to age gracefully. We got derailed with your therapy session. And happened. inquiring minds would like to know what you look like. And everyone that can't see you, I would like everyone to know that Lou has cut his hair. So his hair's nice and short and it's no longer red. People keep asking me like, what color is it now? <laughs> and how short is it? It varies. So um, it's short today because it's cut and it's not fiery engine red. It was never fire engine red. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You looked a little heat miser, remember? <laughs> Have you red. seen 80 for Brady yet? Let's transition for a second. Have you seen 80 for Brady I yet? I have not. And Jane Fonda says, where's Guy Ferrari? And she says he looks like a hot or fiery hot Cheeto or something. <laughs> and remember when he had his hair that, well, your hair sort of was like that. It wasn't really. Yep. It wasn't spiky, but you know. It wasn't that color either. Yes. Well, it anyway. had some auburn tones. Okay. You go with that. Yeah. Whatever you need to make yourself feel better mm -hmm. um not your therapy session uh brady i know you want to talk about tom brady so tom brady um retires again mm -hmm. so this morning tom brady announced while he was sitting on the beach in florida that uh, in a very short sweet i love you message to the world and he didn't want to go on to his long soliloquy as he said in his speech he's retiring he said again. i did it last year well, right. You only but, get one. I did it well, last Well, that's what year. he said. He said, yeah. I only get one long one. And so this one's just, I woke up this morning and decided to let you all know, which I said last week to you. I said he was going to retire. Did you say that to me? It was either last week or the week before. Was it two weeks ago? And he didn't wake up this morning. That, no, that but was, I'm just That saying, thing was like recorded he, a couple right. days ago. Yeah. So he'll be, he'll be anchoring. And so, and I think that's good. I think, I don't know what you think of it, but I think as an athlete at 45 years old, playing at the level he's played at in the NFL and his high level, he's an amazing athlete. I think that it's time. I'm happy. I'm happy. Retire. I don't have to root against him. So I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> oh boy. No, I'm happy. Okay. Well, I'm just, I'm happy for him for a different reason, but I'm. <laughs> he's troubled though, isn't he? He's troubled. Do you, do you, troubled. Um, He's a troubled individual. Well, I wouldn't be able to say that. Uh, well, but what I would say is that I think that there's a lot of ups and downs in his life, like many athletes' lives. And I think that his probably has a little bit more than some others just because his is so in the spotlight. And that's what we were talking a little bit about last week. We were talking about athletes when they retire or they are done with their career of knowing what to do. He knows what to do, but he's had a lot of time to plan you know, he's not retired like Gronkowski when he was 25 or whatever, and then came back and then again. Um, so a little bit more under his belt, plus he's got lots of deals and all that stuff. Yeah. But I think in terms of family life and, you know, divorcing this past year, and I mean, it's been a year, you know, so I think that's hard. And and it, he's not, he just happens to be in the spotlight, but you don't hear about in the public eye, I, you don't hear about all the other stories like I hear because of what I do for a living. Like how many other people will have that exact same experience happening sure. 
they're just not in the spotlight like he is. So it's going to be a people... full stop for him, though, because uh, the playing career is going to stop. He's going to do the broadcast career. We think he is. Well, he's but... going to do the broadcast career. I think there's some time. I don't know this for sure. So you can't quote me, but I would imagine there's some coaching in there somewhere coming along. Oh, no. And like clinics and doing, you know, that kind of gig. Oh, not a chance. Huh? I, he doesn't strike me as a coaching type. But... Yeah. I think yeah, he, he, well, he has, so his, his foundation that he does, which, because I know his foundation really well through charity teams and running the Boston Marathon, his charity um, team uh, does a ton of work for kids and like coaching like youth, yeah. same with Gronk, Gronk's foundation. So they're, you know, that's one of the things that the Patriots were really good at, especially when that, that whole team was them and around centered around when, you know, the McCordys were there, well, still there, but leaving. Um, and, you know, other people um, like Danny Amendola and Edelman and so on. They're very much, like I said last week, very much about youth team orientation structure, getting, building confidence in both young men and young women. Mm -hmm. So the coaching piece, not necessarily at the NFL level, maybe, but maybe at like yeah, maybe. the foundational level of their charities and so on and so forth. Cause they big, they're big on giving back and it's not one of those inauthentic fake things. It's a really genuine piece of um, one, the NFL it, it sort of has a rule that you have to be doing that, but also they all have genuine platforms that they use, you know, kind of like Miss America. Yep. <laughs> Can you imagine they're going to hear that and, and they're going to say, Dr. Lannon actually compared us to Miss America. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be worried about it, but he's, he's a, he's an old athlete, but he's a young man. And yes. we, we worry about guys who retire because, you know, that's a, like a full stop in their lives. They right. have to, have to refine more interest and dedication and intent. They have to right. find their purpose for him. This is huge. And it's happening at a, he's still a young man. It's going to be a big, this is going to be a big hole for him because all of a sudden there's, no family. There's no, I mean, obviously he'll see his kids, but he's coming home to an empty house basically. Yeah. Well, and I'm not sure what he's coming home to these days, yeah. but I think that, I think that that goes yeah, to the know. general mental health issue that I was trying to talk about on Friday about the, is people finding purpose in their chronological age when, you know, he's a young man, but he's an old athlete, mm -hmm. right? So, and then you retire or you, you're changing careers or you're changing jobs, which is what he's doing, right? Many people are going through that. I have a whole class of students right now, 25 students that I'm teaching that are all in essentially, I think majority of them, at least 90% of them are all in transition of career. Um, you know, they're adult learners in a graduate level class doing a transition in career, same kind of thing. They yeah. found a purpose to go away from, you know, their marketing careers or their big highfalutin lawyers or whatever they've been doing to do something different. But it's that sense of purpose, no matter what your age. And I think that that's what gets, that's the difference between that growth forward movement process that I was talking about on Friday versus that stagnancy and getting stuck. If you don't have that something to look forward to, if you don't have something that makes you feel productive to last to your legacy and to leave behind, whether you have children or not, or it's, you know, leading you down that path. I think that that's one of the struggles. I don't think Tom's going to have that issue. Um, but who's to say, because, you know, he's so, um, disciplined in his eating regimen, his workout regimen, which I don't think will change in terms of, uh, he won't train probably like he was for a, you know, a Super Bowl, but he's certainly not going to change that. But job wise, I mean, who knows? Broadcasting might not be as fulfilling. <laughs> yeah. It's like people who go to war, 
you can never recreate the experience coming back and being a police officer, but that's what many people do, right? Veterans will come back and go on to like police yep. force, firefighters, and that's the closest they can get to the action, so to speak. So being an anchor on ESPN or NBC News for, you know, fun, Sunday night, I would say fun day, <laughs> Sunday night football, well, you know, it, it'll be fun, but it's not quite as fulfilling. And I think that you have to go in with a good eye line for that. Um, how do people in the normal world relate to like of Tom Brady? Well, it's the same thing. Like if you're, you know, in your fifties and you're deciding you're going to retire from your job and you're going to move to Florida and live in a 55 and up, like, what are you going to do? Like yeah. if you, you know, people often say, I'm going to play golf. Have you ever played golf? No. Okay. This is going <laughs> to, you know, that's fine. But <clears throat> you know, you have to sort of start planning that a little bit sooner because it's a frustrating game or, you know, people, you know, I know people who um, have other things like bocce and pickleball and things like that, like a sport that they take up in, you know, retirement years. But um, none of that, is, that's an activity. None of that is a purpose. But people find purpose in doing that because yeah. they're a team. So like I have clients that are playing pickleball and bocce and tennis and they have been doing it since they were in their, you know, 30s, pickleball's new, but the other yeah. ones all the way up through. <clears throat> now they're in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they're still doing it because it's it keeps them social. It keeps them with a sense of purpose and meaning to be with friends. Um, there are a lot of competitiveness because they have tournaments. Like So it gives them something to do when you're talking that kind of range. If we're talking younger people like 20s and 30s that are ending their football careers or their hockey careers or things like that. Well, you know, and they don't have any other skill per se that they've honed. That's a little different because then they have to find something else to do because they want to make money and do other things. Yeah. So, you know, I have a, I have a slew of clients over the past few years that have all retired from like semi-pro hockey and they're bartending. <laughs> they make good money. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they make good money, but that's what they went to. And it's not fulfilling for them. For the most part, I get a lot of this isn't fulfilling, but it's something to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but that's about going back and planning. So a lot of the times I go back and plan with them, but we're doing it in the wrong order. We should have been doing it prior, but I didn't get them till midway through their oops, oopsies. I've already retired and now I'm stuck and don't know what to do. And I feel anxious and depressed and so on and so forth. How do you feel about uh... And this is an interesting case can be taken to normal people as well or regular people. How do you feel about the whole timeline with Tom retiring last year for five weeks and then coming back and a year later, he feels definitive again? How do I feel about I mean, it? How do you how do you gauge that? Well, I think last year, I, I mean, I think it was a I think there were a couple of factors there from a psychological non-judgmental perspective, I think that there was a lot of ego involved in terms of he wasn't ready mentally to leave. I think physically, I think that was toggling for him. I mean, only from what I've heard and read, um, you know, because it's a lot of pressure, how much his regimen is insane. Um, what he does comparatively to other football players in the NFL, I know, um, or that I know of. And uh, he, I think, was so high mentally from the excitement of being so good on the Buccaneers and really transforming in his mind, the team and people giving him that kind of accolade. I think that that was hard to walk away from after five weeks of realizing that maybe that was going to go away. 
So I think he went into that cognitive dissonance piece. Hi, Abby. Um, that cognitive dissonance, the conflict in his head between all the mixed messaging he was having in his head, which happens to many athletes. I mean, I, the same thing happened to me is when I went to retire from gymnastics, it was, I loved performing. I didn't like doing the workouts anymore and putting all the time in, missing out on a lot of other things, but didn't want to walk away from the, the high I got from the performance, the accolades, the travel, like all the perks that came with it. Yep. But it, at some point it's like a, it's like a switch that went off that was like, uh, that didn't matter. Uh, and it was, you know, for years, I, I would say, cause I was, I was young retired cause gymnasts retire young. So from like about 13 years old from, so I made the national junior team at 11, 11. Yeah. And so from like 13 to 18, in that time, I was doing that back and forth, back and forth that Tom was probably doing the same kind of thing. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was done. I was yeah. tired. Like I was overall just tired and, and didn't want, didn't need, I think that's a better word. Didn't need that other stuff and all the trappings anymore. It was like, I was able to just clean walk away without the feeling of guilt or letting someone down or I just, it was over. And I think that yeah. If Tom is a typical high-level elite athlete, I think he went through that. He probably went through the same toggle in his head and had to really um, figure that out in those five weeks, jump back in, and probably – and you could see it this year over his play. Yeah. He just fell apart this year. And I don't think it was because of physicality and lack of skill. I think it was just – I think – life this is what usually happens with people in my office it's not about the actual sport it's about family life and money and job decisions and career decisions and you know life real life not just football field real life got in the yeah. way and i think you could see it in his play and you didn't see that before um and i think you know and not i think, I think divorce the, divorce yeah. is a big loss and life changing event. And even though people are like, ah, I got divorced, it it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a death. It's a, it's a morning of death in a way, because especially when you've been together a long time mm -hmm. and you've shared so many things and whatever, people don't realize you go through the whole grieving process in that. And then if you're trying to actually be motivated and upbeat and stay ahead of that while you're still toggling that with your family, with making sure you have your finances in order and your spiritual mind, which he's very important about, you know, in terms of how he thinks of things, that all gets interplayed and then it takes you off your game if you're not fully centered. And you see that all the time with people. And um, people, especially when it's so public. Well, and that's the other piece with yeah. him is that, and that's why I compared it to other football players and other athletes that you don't see in the limelight that I know of that have the same stuff going on, but you don't see it play out, which is less pressure yep. because every little step he takes and has been taking, it was in the news every day. And then he'd go out and play and, you know, and, and he had good mental and he has good mental fortitude to kind of block it out. But there's only so much you, you, you eventually have it. It's not it's not deafness anymore. Finally, it's deafening to hear because you're always bombarded with the messages and people telling you just ignore it, just ignore it, just ignore it. But you're in the throes of it. So I'm interested know. in the part the divorce and the relationship played in this whole timeline, because I think things would be completely different if if their relationship was still sound. So. Because I, I think just you could, as you said, you could see it on the field. You, you could, 
I've been through a divorce. <laughs> you saw a guy going through a divorce uh, on the field this year. Right. And, and I think, and I think that speculating, right. Not with, with factual knowledge, sure. my speculation for mental health on that would be that absolutely because his, his game changed when that was there, when the divorce was present as an entity and public knew about it and there it was, and everyone was talking about it, his game changed. I feel like the, the, the um, first retirement was an attempt to reconcile the marriage. Well, and, and that it, was the deal. And it didn't, it clearly wasn't going to work. So he said, all right, I'm going to go back and play. Right. And then had to go through playing. Can you imagine playing in the NFL while you're going through that? Especially at his level and in his level of responsibility and what he needs to do. I mean, well, and, and well, yes, I can because other players have done it and, yeah. and do do it. It's just they don't have the same kind of limelight. Yeah. So I think that that's the additional piece for Tom is that the limelight makes the mental health issue around it. Mental health, not meaning like he's not mentally stable, but, but just the, the mental health issue come up that it's hard to balance it. And in the NFL with Tom, after every incompletion, there's the shot of Tom. Right. You're getting his reactions constantly. Right. It was all there in all the television broadcasts. Right. And you could see, I mean, he's that kind of guy anyway, but you could just. Well, this whole just, year, if you go back yeah. and watch the replays of all the stuff that was happening, you can see his face changes. So if you watch reels from two years ago play and you watch reels from this year when they do this, the quick changeover to watch his face, very different, yeah. very small micro expressive changes, but not. Oh, Even, like yeah. he just wasn't present and just wasn't there. And, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. I do. Um, but, I, you know, you could just see it. His heart wasn't there. And, you know, he's he'll I'm sure he'd say it was, but no. you can see it on his face. And many times this is just normal life. We'll say we're OK, but our bodies and our minds speak more for us. You know, five percent of our language is through language. Ninety five percent of us speak through nonverbals and everything else. And so you can see it. And if you if you play years over time and then you put up this year's tape, tape to tape, total total change, um, lots of pressure. So um, and I think I think lots of friendships changed this year for him. I think, um, you know, through the past couple of years, just because of the allegiance changes and loyalties, speculating, you know, between, you know, the, you know, being with the Patriots, going to the Buccaneers, um, who's still friends with who, you know, the players always pretty much stay pretty close to each other. Like we talked about last week. I mean, people stay pretty family oriented to stay together. Um, but you know, there's stuff there. It's like a family. And as you know, the Patriots are a family. That's mm -hmm. the, that's the whole glue of what made them so successful over all those years is because bill built that around like do your job be your fan be who you were supposed to be in your family and and it was successful that was the patriot way right which was lifestyle and mindset right which is why i think this team right now in the in the patriots is is young and they and they're all having to be shaped into that which is a family has to be shaped into being in that mode of of being mm -hmm. and personality wise has to be in that mode of being yep. mode of being as well um you know group it's a group it's a group essentially it's group therapy you know we can take the metaphor of having group therapy you have to have cohesiveness for the group to work you have to have a universal shared experience 
which is everyone's going for the same goal direction and to you know to win or to be part of the journey that's going to be collectively going forward you have to have um hope you have to have uh you know role modeling there's like 11 have, factors yeah. 11 there's 11 factors to make groups work really well and groups are teams and that era of tom brady and Kraft and bill belichick was that you know and, and you have, rob and you have to have lever leaders and this yes. this team doesn't have leaders like that whole dynasty had right with the exception i think dave andrews is the only guy there definitely yeah. cordy is probably plays that role as well right but, and i and i think it will build over time yeah. but also that will be interesting to see because Bill Belichick is is also <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a wild card in my mind in terms of whether or not you know, how long will he stay? Not whether or not, he'll, but how long will he stay? Because, you know, he's been there a long time. Three years. You think three more years? He's got to, he's got to pass Don Shula. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, that's going to take three years. Yeah. The way things are going. Right. I mean, if they, they post a 12, 13 win season next year, that'll change, but. Right. It's not going to happen. I don't think it's this roster either. <laughs> did you see, did when, you see the question I'm getting? When's the last time you did something? <laughs> He's somersaulted. Um, this past weekend. <laughs> okay, I don't want to. I don't know. That might be too much information. No, it's yeah. I'm really. <laughs> I, don't I know. still, I still do all the things, not necessarily as quickly or as. What was your best event? What was your? My best event was uneven parallel bars. Okay. And then floor. When's then the last vault. time you were on the uneven parallels? Huh? When's the last time you were on the uneven parallels? The last time. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure you do some floor elements. Vaults, you probably have hit once or twice, but the uneven parallel. I haven't been on the bars yeah. in a while. Yeah. Probably 10 years. Yeah. I've been on a single bar, but not, and I would not be able to do a, I wouldn't be able to transfer between bars currently. Like as an elite level gymnast, I would do it as a beginner level gymnast. Because, <laughs> you know, gravity. Yeah. Um, uh, floor, floor stuff is, is easy. I see stars sometimes when I do stuff, when I, cause I'm not used to it. So, yeah. um, but it give me like a, you know, go to altitude and jump around and go on a tumble track. That's easy. You know, I'm flying to a pit. That's, I can do all my same stuff into that. Yeah. I have video of that. <laughs> my friend, Mary, who's, the, who's a chiropractor. She and I sometimes get together and we go bounce. So I was, I remember coach. doing a ski trip 10 years after the last time I skied. And I remember just the past couple of years, years or two skating after being off skates for 10 plus years. It's not easy. Well, I, yeah, I, that's, you know, I skated a couple of times in my life only recently, just because Peter Carruthers tried to teach me. Mm -hmm. And that was no, to no fault of his own. I was less than stellar. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you start to see your age. That's when you see your relationship with your age. <laughs> well, it wasn't really the age. It was more the... No, not I for was you because you were learning something new. But. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think I'd probably be better on skis. I think. I just think that the, the whole... I was instilled with fear of being on ice skates when I was little because my parents... And I will put them right under the bus on this one because it was just plain straight up. Um, my parents, especially my dad, was like, because I was a gymnast even when I was like four and five years old, they bought, I remember them buying me a pair of skates. I think I actually have them in an, in the attic in my little hope chest still okay, at, yeah. unworn. Um, 
probably should get rid of them at some point. But um, I was allowed to never go on them, according to my father. And my mother took me out as a secret on uh, the pond. And I remember the ice cracking underneath my feet and hearing that noise. And oh. that scared me. And then we, I did, I think I did okay because I was little, whatever. But then when we came back, he found out that I was on skates and he was so mad. And I have very vivid memory of him being really angry. And why would my mother go against that? Yeah. There was a deal and there was no skating because I was going to be an elite Olympic level gymnast at five. And, <laughs> and that how could they put me on skates when it would break my ankles, et cetera, et cetera. So I never got to be on skates again mm -hmm. for the rest of my life until four three four years ago and peter carruthers took me out in the frog pond and if people don't know who peter carruthers is he's a lovely friend of ours that um was the silver uh silver gold silver olympic medalist with his sister kitty yeah. um back in the 80s um he took and, you on the frog he's pond? been on the show before what he took you on the frog pond yeah can you go on you can skate on the frog yeah i didn't know in boston yeah yeah okay where do you think you skate I skate everywhere, but I didn't know if they allowed it on the frog pond. I think that's where we were. No, it's fine. I yeah. don't know. John, John is, were we on the frog pond? He'll answer. I think we were on the frog pond. We were in Boston. No, it's entirely possible. Um, just... And then we skated up in Loon mm -hmm. again. And I stayed and I skated. Well, actually that's right. That's where they first tried to teach me at the Plymouth arena up in New Hampshire. I did a lot of board holding. <laughs> <laughs> My armpits and shoulders were very, strong that day they didn't give you the milk crates no they wouldn't let me <laughs> wouldn't let you do the milk crates. no oh. <laughs> i wanted to though no but and then they would skate past me a lot like you know they would just be like okay try on your own so my friend kathy who's often on here um she was my savior and she came over and she held my hands like oh. i was four yeah <laughs> Um, skating's not easy. So no, skating is not easy, especially when you're 27. Yeah, right. When you're starting at yeah, at right. That when age, you're yeah. starting later in life. Um, but every year, also, you know, so he, this is to the point of other athletes too, trying to do other other sports, right? So I can still do gymnastics, but you know, as you know, I'm running, and people always say, "Oh, you you should try skiing this year." Skiing falls in the in the cycle of training for the Boston Marathon. If I fall and break a knee or an ankle, that will not make me happy. So, but my luck after this weekend, I could trip and break something. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I didn't ski much, if at all, as a kid, because I was a hockey player. And it's like, right. what, what if I break a leg? Well, I was once I made the national team too, I wasn't allowed to do any other sports. Can imagine. You yeah. weren't allowed to do anything. You couldn't do high school sport. You weren't allowed. That was a no-no because it was like, it was a contractual issue. That was a no. Most pro athletes have those types right. of limitations, it was a no. motorcycles. and Right. Yeah. Cause we had, um, I'm trying to remember, I think Nike, I think Nike was a sponsor. And I remember having to sign something back in the eighties for like, yeah. mm, do not compromise any of your body parts because Nike was on, on the line. So, you know, yep. um, anyway, so I, to go back to the fact that, um, finding purpose, um, Again, having good mental health hygiene, people always separate that out. And I think that's one of the biggest pieces of this is because there's been so much talk already this morning in the past three hours about Tom, he's retired. Oh, my God. Right. 
there's a lot of, it's not just about the sport and the athleticism and whatever. It's a, it's just like a job, right? Mm -hmm. You, you have to have other things in your life. And I think that's so important that people miss that in their own lives that don't be your only identity as your job or that you're uh, a yeah. stay at home mom or stay at home dad, or you've got to have uh, a full enriched life to have all those pieces. You have to have uh, spirituality, whatever that looks like for you, a higher, a higher yeah. energy. That's what I'll call it, a higher energy that you have purpose to go forward. That gets you motivated to go forward. You have to have, you know, good nutrition, good sleep, good exercise. Um, you have to have support system. You have to have socialization. You have to have good resources. You have to have activities. You have to have downtime, meditative time. Um, and I think that you have to have a self. Yeah. Yes. And people don't often have a full rounded, rounded, grounded self. They we, we are see very heavily one-sided leaning. And that was my concern for Tom Brady and some other players over the years that I've, I've seen, right, not Tom, but um, other players that I've seen in, in the NFL that they don't have the full round and ground. They have this very heavily set side. Um, you see it a lot in the semi-pro guys because they're trying so hard to be pro. Um, and then they fall short injury or something yeah. happens and then that becomes a problem and they've spent years struggling i should let this go right i've been years struggling that right and we yeah. see this and in you divorce. see that in semi-pro hockey players too we see this in divorce situations a lot but we also see this in empty nest situations because yes. so many people just let themselves go into parenting mm -hmm. which i'm not knocking it parenting is something you need to commit commit to and should put some effort into it right but if you let the rest of yourself go in the parenting pursuit then when the kids leave, you're looking around going, all right, well, what am I now? Well, that's okay. So let so we'll switch gears a little bit and talk about family dynamics, right? So when people are empty nesters and their kids leave at 18, 19, 20 and say they don't come back, like a lot of people, the trend <laughs> is that they come back. But when you see that happen, that's, you get a high, that's why the higher rate of divorce comes up because the identities of the two parents, assuming just making a broad sweep here so that it's not. I don't get feedback on this. I'm just making the general sweep that, okay, you have two parents in the house and then you're an empty nester <coughs> and all of a sudden you have to deal with each other. And for 18 or 19 years, you've been focusing your energy into the one child or the three children. And now they're all gone and you have not connected. And right. now you're looking at each other going, yeah, I don't really like you. I really could, but you didn't pay attention to that because you were paying attention heavily to, the kids sports and the kids academics and the kids travel and making sure they had camps, whatever, but you weren't connecting. And so there's where you see a lot of people divorce. Yeah. The marriage gets set aside. It's, it's, right. it's career, paying the bills, taking care of the kids and, right. and there's no marriage anymore. Right. Exactly. And it may not even be, um, I don't like you anymore. It's like, I don't know you or there's well, no that's, connection. And I think yeah. that's what I would see, you know, more anecdotally in my practice is that it's not that I don't like you. It's more, that I don't know you. And and I don't really want to get to know you. We don't have a connection. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. so much time has passed, you know, and, and usually in there, unfortunately, even though it's not that I don't like you, there's a lot of resentment built up that doesn't get talked about. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I had to do all these things and you, it, and then it's, a, it's a very imbalanced relationship and then it feels yucky. Yep. So then when people go to say, oh, I'm going to get married again, you know, sometimes, sometimes I will tell certain couples that I see, I'm like, oh, you're going to have, you're probably going to have a better second marriage because everything you learned in the first 
unless you didn't learn, because I do have that too, yeah, where people sure. just go back yeah. in and repeat the same thing. I'm like, oh, there we go again. Um, but when I have clients, I always try to make sure that I work with them on knowing exactly what didn't work, what to look for for signs, red flags, and how to not go down that path. Now, that could be in relationships, friendships, yep. job, uh, sport. You can apply that to anything. That's why the sport analogy is always so good because it can apply to any kind of mental health hygiene issue is that you're having to make sure you're aware, mindful, identify what isn't working, what hasn't worked, and then don't blindly go back in because people will always say, oh my God, she or he married the same, you know, the same thing again. They're on their third marriage and it's the same thing. Right. Because the person hasn't done the inward look. Mm -hmm. I consistently don't even need to see, I could, it could be just nameless, faceless people that have a story and I'd be able to say, oh, they didn't do the work. And I'd be able to pick it out because they are repeating the same problem and they're picking the same people. Why? Because we pull for what we know. And what does that mean? We pull for the same disordered issue over and over again until we realize that that's a disordered issue. Right. So jokingly, people say, oh, you marry your father. Oh, you marry, you know, right. Because typically people get drawn to their, you know, in heterosexual marriages, people get drawn to their opposite sex parent. Mm -hmm. And that's what their model is. And then in, in um, non-heterosexual across the board. Um, same thing, same thing actually goes because this, it's not that they get drawn to the gender, but they get drawn to the same style of the opposite gender. Same role. Uh, yeah. and, and they'll repeat. So, you know, if you had an abusive, if you had an abusive father, you're more likely to find an abusive partner. If you had, you know, so it's not, um, or if you had someone that was much more cold and authoritarian, you're going to pull for someone that has that, whereas you might not be because you're looking There's for your balance. There's a certain comfort in that. What? There's a certain comfort in that. And that's right, what it's you know. Balance. It's, it's, yeah. it's not what is healthy, but it's what you know. Right. So if you don't know any different and you don't think that there's any different or you don't think it could get better, then you will go for what you know. And that's the same thing in sports. You'll go, you'll keep repeating things going for what you know. And then until you either get a different coach or you change it up or you get more balance or you get rounded and someone grounds you. Mm -hmm. As we've seen with some people that, you know, well, you keep looking for the same need. You keep finding right. the same thing. Right. right? Exactly. So need to evolve. Right. And, and, that, and I think need it's, a little self-awareness. And, and evolving is changing and people don't like to change. Yeah. Because change also involves having to look at what you have to change and looking at what you have to change is usually for most people somewhat painful. Because they have to look at the things that they are not taking responsibility for, what they are not accounting for, and having to really move on that. That's why, you know, when we talk about dieting, that's, you know, that's one of the biggest ones. You know, when you're not taking food responsibility or sleep, food, and exercise responsibility for yourself, but you want to be thin or you want to be healthy and be more fit and have a thinner body, but you're not willing to do the work. You know, you can look at someone and say, I want to look like them. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, what are you doing to get there? Nothing. Yeah. Okay. But I want that. Okay. But what are you doing? Right. So it's like, you have to look inward and say, what can I change? And I, and I've recently told a particular person, like, all you have to do is like pick one little thing a day to just make a change in or stay consistent with that one thing for a week. Like, you know, just don't pick up the extra cookie mm -hmm. or don't, have soda, have water, like, you know, just something so you're changing it so you can have the accomplishment. 
That's the same thing as Tom Brady. That's the same thing as anybody. Just you have to have a sense of purpose and accomplishment. Like, oh, I did that today and it's changed something. So it'll give you the more, more stepwise motivation to go to the next thing. You have to find the power in yourself. Right. Because again, we're giving up power quite a lot. Things are happening to us. It's victim mentality. But we don't, we lose sight of the fact that we have an incredible amount of influence over our outcomes. Right. But Picking up that influence, accepting that influence is accepting responsibility for your outcomes, and people don't want to do that. Exactly. And yeah. and um, it's easier to turn a blind eye and not look at it, even though other people might be able to see it. But people will convince themselves that they're they're not transparent. And <laughs> and and, and I, I have found that when people don't think that they're transparent, they are the most transparent people in the world. You know, you know, let's. Let's take, you know, um, someone who's a pathological liar who ends up believing in everything that they say and they are really bought into it and then they influence people. Do you know who I'm talking about right now? <laughs> <laughs> Just came into my mind, right? So so I'm going to use him as an example. Hopefully this won't fire you up. But Santos, Santos, you know, as a person who has built a huge following of people who have, he's influenced, but it's all based on he he's lying yep. clearly mm -hmm. and then with a straight face can continue to lie on top of the lies because that's a that's a psychopathy that's a that's a he believes in his mind don't know him so i'm only doing a clinical outward look but he believes in his mind that he can't, he's not being seen through even though people are directly telling him like we're seeing through you he's built this storyline and narrative for himself that nope that's not true and many people do that and that's well, speaking that's well, he's got the, a buffer the extreme a, he's buffering himself he's got a buffer in a group around him that reflects that they they're not seeing through him right well they they validate and verify for yeah. him that it's okay for him to be saying and doing the things he's doing and giving him chance after chance which is enabling him which is just creating more of the psychopathic behavior but you can attenuate your focus on the people who are supporting your personal belief right and then you never work out of that right and you you just pass off you, you shoo off the people who aren't right buying what you're saying because i've got these people i'm okay i'll just well, stay in this right group. because you because yeah. people will seek out their ver you know self-verification theory and and the and the biases of people they'll look for people that will believe and buy into them even in the face and evidence that it's a lie mm -hmm. because that's i mean it's a hallmark symptom of, of of a sociopath is that they are able to get people to be convinced well this is supply for narcissists right yes the people who see behind the curtain get discarded and right you just continually find people who can't see behind the curtain yet right yeah can't see behind the curtain and don't want to see behind the curtain and don't have the capacity yeah so you have different levels of that because you know i mean in this thing we're talking about here is like psychologically you know people don't see don't see behind the curtain because they don't want to mm-hmm or they do and they turn the blind eye or they look and they just don't see because they don't have the capacity to actually see through it. And it's speaking to them because they're at the same level. They might not be doing the same behavior. They might not be saying, you know, I'm a great athlete. They might not be doing it, but it feels right to them because it fits whatever narrative they've got in their head to make them feel okay. Cause whatever the person's saying or whatever the person's doing, it makes them feel okay, which leads a person down a false sense of, you know, talking about Tom Brady, 
not in that sense, but talking about like leading a person down a false sense of purpose. You're following a road that's going to lead you into someplace that mm, not necessarily a good road. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's very derailing, but you have, when people don't have, um, when people don't have uh, good role modeling, good forward moving thoughts, uh, honesty, integrity, self-fidelity, not sexual, right? But fidelity mm-hmm. to self of authenticity, they're easily targeted to be able to fall down that path and follow. Um, Tom Brady's not like that, right? Yeah. But you have so many people in the world that are are very much like that. And well, Tom's got some stuff going on. He's what? I think Tom's got some stuff going on. Oh, but- he does have stuff going on, but he doesn't have, he's not, um, I don't think he has the transparency uh, lying shadows in front of him. No, no, no. It, superpowers, one of the superpowers, and we talk about it a lot, is our ability to absolve responsibility. Right. Be victims, right? Right. I think the other superpower that we have that's really um, prevalent in a lot of people is that they cling to the preferred conclusion. Yes. They have a preferred conclusion to the information that they're getting, and they stick to it because they get selective in their you know, confirmation bias. They're only taking information that confirms what they, what well, the conclusion what they that they think. want. Right. No, that they want. They right. may not even think it. It's the conclusion that they want. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's a very slippery slope and it's very dangerous because you have, um, going back to parenting, parents will often train their kids into not thinking independently because they want them to think like they think. And if they don't think like they think that becomes a problem, mm-hmm. right? So you get a, you get a lot of people that you were just talking about that end up with the confirmation bias that, you know, this is how I want to think. Therefore it is. It's because they're trained that they don't have the independent thought because they're not allowed to have the independent mm-hmm. thought because they're told that this is the way to think. This is, you know, you see it all the time. Politics is easy to use. You know, people tell, you know, kids are like, okay, they take a poll at a seventh grade level of kids and ask them, you know, some random questions or whatever. And you ask them, why do they think that? And a lot of the time, I won't say exactly, but let's go with seven or eight out of 10 kids will say, it's because my mom believes that, or it's because my dad believes that it's not Mm -hmm. because they have any independent thought of it. And you ask them, well, what is it that you come to that conclusion? And they don't know. So that they're not interested in, they're not interested in parsing that. So the only information they have is what their parents decide to give to them. Right. So how then do you get, so that leads down to even, you know, tying back to what we were talking about at the beginning about like making decisions and being a, a stellar athlete or stellar business person if you're not able to think for yourself and independently and you are very pulled by that want of somebody to want you to feel and think the way that you feel and think you're it's a, it's a hard thing because you struggle because you're it's, it's a way of keeping you down. Yep. You know, and that's over the weekend at some point I was watching something on some cult. (laughs) I don't know what it was, (laughs) you know, in the in the New Hampshire TV stations, um, but it was it was talking about like how um, that cult leader cultivated literally people to be afraid if they didn't think how he 
thought and they bought into it. Now people say, well, how could someone just do that? It's not because the person's not smart. It's, it's because the, the people want to believe it because the message speaks to them mm -hmm. and it, you know, and it, and you, and it, it's easy to follow until it's not. And that's why you see people like jump out, you know, like Leah, Leah Remini sort of jumping around yeah. here, but Leah Remini jumped out of Scientology when she realized, wait a second, this isn't quite what I thought it was. Right. So it's, it's about, you know, don't get derailed in your sense of purpose because you don't have your own thought, your own responsibility, your own accountability. Playing victim is going to get you susceptible to falling into very inactivated movement through your life. Um, so they all kind of tie together about, you know, how to find purpose and stay focused and be an individual yep. and, and separate yourself from um, codependency of relying on other people's thoughts for you and making decisions for you. Um, I think one of the biggest skills I teach in my practice is triangulating thought, right? That let's generate more than the thought you know, the thought your parents told you and the thought your teachers told you. Yeah. Let's think about five other ways of this process. But people have trouble because changing your thought, right? And dropping your preferred conclusion leads to you admitting you were wrong. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Right. I remember I was working with somebody and uh, she had lost a, a bonus at work because she didn't complete the steps to get the bonus. And we were sitting there trying to figure out how to negotiate around this so she could get the bonus. And I said, I looked at her and I guess, well, do you want the bonus or do you want to be right? Right. Because there was a dispute about it. And she, to her credit, she admitted, I want to be right. And I guess, well, you're not getting the bonus then. Right. And that, so what a great, what a great thought about in terms of relationships, right? Yep. Because relationships that flourish don't get into the right fight. They go to the bonus, Right. Yeah. They go to what's what's the what is the bonus of the relationship? Are you invested in the perks of the relationship or are you invested in being right? And all relationships have a little bit of that. But when relationships are really struggling, it's because people are in who's who's more right. And that speaks to that is like, how do you have purpose in a relationship if you're always if your purpose is to be right? You know, is, the, is that, you know, I have couples all the time that the every bridge is one they're willing to die on. And yeah. I'm like, this bridge, you pick every bridge. Every because bridge it becomes personal. Same. It's not about the issue. It's It becomes personal. Right. And, yeah. and, most, and most of the time in friendships as well, or, or in coupledoms, it's not about the topic anymore. The topic is on the table for two seconds. And then the next thing yep. you know, it's about, I just need to prove my point. Well, the topic comes up in the first sentence and the second sentence is, what are you, an idiot? And then you're off somewhere else. Right. Exactly. You've lost it. The argument's right. moved and you're somewhere else. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Because it's because people want you to believe or think like they do. And we all have these little moments. Right. But you have to be able to have good mindfulness and awareness that, OK, I'm doing that and I'm just going to check it out. Uh, and and not do that or be able to say because sometimes i think it's important and john's listening that i think it's not always about being right but sometimes it's about being heard that you just need to be heard and there's a difference is you know you want to be able to complete the whole sentence you want to be able to have just your words doesn't mean you have to agree but you just want to have the sentence um which is different than you know convincing someone by berating it for days on end of yeah. like the same thing, which is what I see a lot in couples that I see is that they will get stuck on a point and 
and my question to them always is, is where's your sense of purpose here? What, what's your goal? Cause we're going to keep looping mm -hmm. because both of you don't want to let go. And one of them inevitably will say, I've let go. <laughs> and then it's like, no, you haven't. And then, no, but the let go to them, what they're referring to is I've stopped fighting. Right. They haven't let it go. They haven't let go of the, of the idea, right. but they've just stopped the fight right. in the moment. Cause it's going to come back up. Right. Just in a different way. Yeah. So that's not, that's not, letting it go that's right just that's just stopping fighting. right and i always say letting go doesn't mean forgetting letting go means just being able to step back from it and saying how important really is this is this going to be is this a bridge you're willing to die on or is this is anyone at the end of the day with this information on this topic going to die no yep. right well, no my favorite question what's more important the issue of the relationship right yeah exactly yeah but to get people to that point is, again, you have to get to what is the relationship goal and what's the purpose? Tom Brady, what's his purpose, right? You, what's your purpose? What's my purpose? It's, and it comes back down to, you know, having that on a daily so that you don't get stuck and feel stagnant and not be able to move forward. Sort of the piggyback on Friday is, you know, age is age. And I heard, I heard so many people because they, you know, birthday this weekend, right? And people are like, oh, happy birthday. How does it feel to be 27 again? <laughs> right. And it's like, it doesn't phase me. And I had a couple people say, you know, it doesn't phase me at this juncture, but I had a couple of <laughs> people just when I found out how old I was, they were like, I would never have guessed that. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. But it's not because it's just because I don't feel that way i don't feel the chronological age so i don't act that way so i don't look that way because i don't let myself go towards you know i i go back to my hometown and i see people that were in my class and i'm like i say to john do i look yeah i know <laughs> yeah, i know I, yeah. you know because and he does the same thing because it's like well my sense of purpose is to have healthy lifestyle and that's one of my purposes, right? Healthy lifestyle because longevity. And I've said this before, I'd rather die younger having taken care of myself than die younger being a shit show. Yeah. Right. Um, and you go back, you go back to your classmates and you see the different outcomes, not shocking enough, but when you see pictures of your own family. Yeah. And it's like that guy was my age when this picture was taken. Right. Because things have changed. It, age yeah. is a different thing now than it was 30 years ago. Right. And well, and it's interesting because, and, and we even talk about reminiscing and, and, and looking around like your birthday time and, and looking back. Um, I had a bully in growing up. I had a couple of bullies, but I had this one and I won't say her name, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say her last name though. Stacy's outed. She was, she yeah. was one of several. Okay. I could list them all. But be, and it was because I was a gymnast. I was in the limelight all the time. You know, I mean, it was just I was a target and, you know, whatever it was. I was I was a double edged sword. So let me just describe that. And Michelle, she's listening. She totally knew this. Right. So, you know, in one moment it would be like, you know, oh, she's so great. She's a gymnast and she's in the news and she's da 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 and tumble for us and do all these things. And I learned very quickly in like my 10th, 11th year of life that that was a setup to yep. get bullied because it was show us and do. And then it was now your show off. Yep. I was, it, it didn't matter. So I was just like, Oh, so I had to really learn to be self-sufficient and find my tribe 
Um, and they weren't it. And she was not one of those people. And so she find a sandbox. I, I had to, I had to find a different sandbox, yeah. even though they kept trying to get in my sandbox, by the way. <laughs> yep. Um, but it's interesting because she, now I look at her, um, cause occasionally it pops into my feed, you know, when people look at you, yeah. um, by the way, if people don't know that if you go looking for someone and you don't necessarily go looking for them, they will pop up in your Facebook feed because they've been looking for you. So that's how yeah. I've seen her. Um, what a stark contrast of like, you know, I kind of giggled to myself going of all the things she said to me and all the ways that she, and I was like, mm. Mm. it's, you know, psychologically the warfare that she and her group played. And this is what happens, you know? And I think, well, time has not done you well in what you've done with your time. And I think that's super important. Not, And it's not about judging her. And I hope she has a wonderful life and all those things. I really do. But it also goes back and I'd be hard pressed to not say, you know, having bullied, being bullied growing up for a variety of reasons in my athleticism, you know, and you look at someone years later, it's like, where's your sense of purpose? Yeah. You know, you had a lot to say to me and to others. I wasn't the only one that they bullied, but, you know, but now, hmm, you know, you look and you hear what they're doing and you're like, wow, you know, I'm glad that I didn't, I'm glad I found my own sandbox. Yeah. I found a different sandbox because if I had stayed in that sandbox, I would have been with them. Yep. And that's just not a good place. And I think that's a differentiation between like Tom Brady and someone else is that he's, he had his own sandbox. He, he did it his way. He didn't get pulled in. He had his tribe. And that's what I ended up doing. I think Michelle ended up doing, I know, you know, my friend Kathy has done. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's many, many people that do that. And I think that there's success in that because that's where you find the forward moving purpose and process because you get people around you that cohesively share the universal shared experience that you have to move forward with you and not hold you back. Um, I think that that is one of the keys to good mental health in the world. Um, so anyway, do your um, fundraising. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Are you yep. telling me to stop my show now? Yes, I am. Oh, wow. Thanks, Lou. Um, anyway, so uh, very interesting topic. Um, so a couple things. I'm I'm setting up and lining up some some good speaker people to come in and talk with us um, in the next month month or two. Please remember that I'm running my ninth Boston Marathon in a row. I'm trying to make ten in a row, <laughs> and then as I said last week, I will decide after that if I take a little break or not. But uh, it's hard when you're on a roll oh, you're pulling a tom brady uh, i know i'm having that struggle yeah. but i will i will make 10 in a row knock on wood as long as nothing physically happens to me um i am fundraising this is very important for me i am fundraising for the new england patriots foundation it is for the myra craft uh the uh, most valuable player awards that go out every year we give 26 um uh, grants away to local uh, New England, all of New England uh, companies that are nonprofits that get the, the money to help their, their charities. I'm raising all the money for them. We have now, I didn't realize we have 17 people on the team this year. We're all all the money that we raise goes directly to them. The goal is 10,000. I'm trying to do 15, but the goal is 10,000. I'm running a giveaway right now that for every hundred dollars that you um sponsor me with, you get entered into a chance to win either a $1,500 
cash prize, or you can choose $1,500 worth of round-trip air tickets to anywhere you want to go as long as it doesn't exceed $1,500 with everything included in it. Um, so uh, last year I gave away a Peloton uh, of someone's choice or $2,500 and Kelly Fox uh, won and she already redonated this year. So thank you, Kelly, mm -hmm. to the family because I'm sure she would love to win this year again. <laughs> um, and uh, you can go to the links below and that are in the feed here to donate. But even if you can't do 100, every little bit counts, $5, $10. And then we also have, if you're local to the area, uh, my teammate, Amy, who's been on before, Amy uh, Salant Cronin, She's she and I are team fundraising for it, tag teaming. And we have a, a very cool event next Friday, uh, sorry, next Saturday, the 11th of February, pre uh, Valentine's Day and pre Super Bowl. Um, it's a uh, full dinner with uh, musical bingo with a really great DJ friend of ours. And um, we're going to have trips to give away and lots of really amazing uh, raffle prizes and not raffles because I'm not supposed to say raffles, but giveaway <laughs> prizes. Yep. Um, and uh, so come on down. You can see that link in the in the uh, um, feed as well. And that's it in Lawrence, Mass. at Salvatore, six to ten. You can register on e Eventbrite and come on down. It's going to be a really good time. And for now, I will sign off because Lou's pushing me. He must have an eleven o'clock show. And I, I do. You, buddy, wrong. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, sayonara. See you next week.